life's peaks and valleys is constant learning and growth and then mastering how to solve that problem so it doesn't necessarily, not that it won't happen again, but how to better respond to it, how to better reflect on it because it shitty things are going to happen in life. Welcome to the Seeds of Growth podcast. My name is Pumehana Palmer. I'm a mindset and growth coach to new real estate agents, small business owners, and high-achieving female entrepreneurs. I believe that true success happens from the inside out, and I'm on a mission to plant seeds of growth and transformation, one powerful conversation at a time. Each week, I'll bring you a solo episode, interview, or coaching experience with business owners just like you to help you shift your perspective, elevate your beliefs, and build a business that inspires you. Now let's dive into today's episode. What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of Seeds of Growth, where we have powerful conversations that plant seeds of growth and transformation in the minds of entrepreneurs just like you. Today was such an incredible conversation, and I'm so excited to share it with you. I spoke with my good friend, Jen Armstrong. Jen is the owner and founder of Strong Arm Communications, a marketing and PR firm here on the island of Oahu. Jen is a mother of three, a wife, and a bodybuilder. You guys, this conversation was so beautiful and magnetic, and I'm excited for you to hear how it organically morphs from business and best practices into discussing adult friendships and challenges and even childhood experiences and how that informs the both of us as mothers and role models. So my friends, lean into this one. I'm confident that this will serve you. Jen, my love, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I am so excited to have you here and finally hit record after, oh gosh, when was the last time that we recorded? <laughs> it was um, back in February, right? Three March, yeah. Yeah. For everyone's reference, it's it's currently November. But you guys, I am so psyched to have Jen here on the podcast with us. A little bit of background. Jen and I, our girls are kind of in the same area. We run with the same friends. We lived in the same area for a while. And the way that we first got connected was... Kumehana had this crazy idea that she wanted to open up a, a co-working space here in town, in our town. Somehow I knew that Jen um, was in PR. She had her own company. And so I was like, oh, let me just, I'm going to have to get it out somehow. So let me just, let me just pick her brain. And I dove in and did a little bit, did a little, you know, internet stalking as we do research here, <laughs> you know in this century. And I soon found out that Jen was just, you are absolutely my people. Um, one, you are badass, like mompreneur that's doing all the things. At this point, I believe that your youngest was born. Um, he was pretty fresh. Yeah. <laughs> so you're running this company, running your household. You're the mom CEO, CEO of the household. And you also have a podcast for yourself, which is something that I also want to dive into as well. So I was like texting you back and forth. I'm like, oh yeah, let's go grab coffee. And oh my God, like your cold toast podcast, it was everything. It was, it spoke to everything that 
I struggle with. It's, you know, being an entrepreneur, it's being a mom, it's, you know, childhood trauma, reparenting yourself and parenting your children, all of the things. And the cherry on top was that your podcast artwork said grit and grace. And my tattoo said grit and grace. And I was like, like even now as I'm thinking about it, I'm getting chills because I was just like, oh, she's yeah. my people. My people, for sure. And then we we sat down and had coffee and just even more so. You were so amazing. And it was so beautiful to to connect with you. And I really just want to introduce my audience to you and all of the value and genius and everything that you bring to the table. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> Super grateful for that background introduction. It's, you know, it's really difficult. And then I, this is a good segue because I know that this is the point where I'm supposed to talk about myself, but it's really difficult sometimes for me to hear someone else describe me because I am not used to that. So, but hearing it back from a good friend like yourself or just from a fellow mom, it's, it's like, I just feel immediate gratitude, I suppose, because it's, um, you know, you want to be seen by your people and you are my people. So thank you is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Absolutely. And it's all too, totally true. And what's coming to mind as you're even talking about it is it, it's so it's so interesting to me because you're in PR, right? You're in marketing. You have this incredible ability to highlight your clients and use specific language and verbiage to shine the light on your clients. And it just, you create that relationship, right? So that you can do this for your clients in such a beautiful and authentic way. I mean, that's why you have a job is because we have the hardest time talking about ourselves, right? We need somebody else to come in and say like, yes, you are amazing. And people should be hiring you and using your your goods and services. But when we turn the flashlight on to us, we're like, no, all we see are the shadows. That is so hilarious. And that's, you hit it right on the nose. And I feel like I got into this industry because I thought I wanted to be in front of the camera. I wanted to be a broadcast journalist initially, but I realized quickly that my comfort zone is actually in the background. And making other people look good and sharing their stories. But, you know, I I also learned very quickly that in order to market myself, to be able to market others, I I do need the camera on me and I do need to shine the light on who I am. And I don't know, hopefully we can have that discussion in, in this conversation about balancing your personal brand with your business brand and why that's important. Oh my goodness, absolutely. I would I would love to have that conversation. Actually, let's dive into that now because a lot of my audience, they're entrepreneurs or a lot of them are even real estate agents in which man, their personal brand is their business brand. They do need to be able to sell themselves and be able to stand tall and say, "Hey, use me, hire me. I am a value." So Let's say for like a newer entrepreneur that, you know, is just starting off, they're starting off with a small business and they're like, okay, 
I don't know what I'm doing or, or how do I put myself out there? What would you tell them? Authenticity is key because I was there and this was all happening when I was embarking on being a new mother. So I started my business at the same time that I became a mom to my oldest child. And that was also, you know, sort of when social media was kind of, I want to say it was coming on to the scene. I think Instagram was more coming onto the scene, not Facebook, but regardless. So it was an opportune time for me to market the business and also share my own story in a way that is relatable. So I, I began posting on social and uh, about being a new mom and um, all the struggles and funny stories that come with that. And then lo and behold, you know, I, I would get folks like inquiring about what I do for work and all of that if, you, if they didn't know me. And it, it almost was like they could relate to me. So then they felt comfortable with me. And then they felt, well, I actually have a business and I would love you to help me, you know? So that's kind of how it started. And I felt like authenticity or being my authentic self, granted it was on social and not everything on social is authentic, but that is the card that I played back then and it worked. And so how I, you know, going into now being in business for myself for almost 12 years, I realized that I had to shift sort of that strategy a little bit. And then I started pages for my own business, right? But then I would tag myself in that. And so I still wanted people to see that, hey, you're you're working with a company, but this company is actually a one-woman show who is a working mother and just a hot ball of mess. And if you're okay with that, <laughs> I think that I, I can help you. But, you know, and that, but that, came at a pivotal point in my business and my career because it then I began to shred clients or, or work, I should say, that didn't align with my values or who I was or what my schedule was even. So it beautifully became a way for me to really align with work that was meaningful and align with people that I wanted to work with who were meaningful to me and that appreciated my background, my life, basically. And I mean, we still got work done, you know, um, and that's fine. That's exactly the type of clients I wanted. And that's the type of work that I'm continuing to do. And um, yeah, I'm not going to pretend to be this big PR firm because I'm not. I'm a consultant. I'm an independent PR practitioner. And that's exactly, you know, there's work. I've learned there's work for every type of PR company. And there's definitely work for someone like me and I'm not going to be something I'm not. And I think that that's going back to your original question is always just be authentic because you never know who can relate to you and who would appreciate that. I love that so much. And I couldn't agree with you more. I think one of the most empowering things for us to do as entrepreneurs is be able to say yes and no, essentially to money and essentially to clients. And having those boundaries of yourself, of knowing, not necessarily of like, oh, you can't pass, right? But of knowing how far I'm going to go and saying, no, I'm not going to be inauthentic. I'm not going to bend over backwards. I mean, we'll go above and beyond for our clients, but we won't bend over backwards and be who we're not going to be because we know that our, our output um, gets compromised when we do that. And 
I'm hearing this incredible sense of abundance to this abundance mindset of there is more than enough business to go around, right? And I might not be the PR firm. I might not be, you know, the PR specialist for you. There's somebody else out there for you. And that's okay. Like, that's okay. You know, I can I share a quick story of how how I realized that was okay was I went in for a an interview basically or a consultation with a prospective client recently. And at the end of our conversation, I thank them for their time. They thank me for my time. And I said, I just want to say on behalf of the PR industry in Hawaii, which is a small industry, and we all know each other, thank you for coming to Hawaii and you know, looking to work with someone in our industry, regardless if it's going to be me. If you choose another company, I will probably know folks there. And I I think I can speak for everybody to just say thank you for bringing your business here and, and for allowing us to share our talents with a, a company like you. Again, regardless if it's me or not, I just, I think it's incredible that you trust us with the, the talent and um, expertise that's here. And that makes me excited, basically, because I've, I'm really closely knitted and closely tied to the PR industry here, just even on a, a professional volunteer level. And it just makes me excited to see that that type of work is coming here and that we have these opportunities, right? That's so meaningful. I was like, I can't believe I just said that in an interview that I'm trying to be competitive. <laughs> but I mean it. I truly mean it from the bottom of my heart. And they were almost like, shocked that I would say that, you know, like, oh, whoever you choose, you're going to great, you're going to, you're going to have great service, great expertise. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> I think that's so incredible. I think like talk about authenticity as well as vulnerability, you know, that you put it out there that like, Hey, I recognize that, that you might not pick me, but I still appreciate you. And even just appreciate the fact that that they are, if I'm hearing you correctly, that they're coming in, they're not bringing their own, like, they recognize the value that having a local perspective to help almost integrate them into this industry, this community, because, I mean, even for Hawaii, Hawaii is a wild card. It's like no other place, right? For real estate, we're like, oh, you know. People are saying like certain things about what's going on, you know, on a national level, what's going on in the mainland and to like in certain areas, it's like uh, not Hawaii. Nope. Mm-mm. So, yeah, I, I totally understand that. Let's talk about inauthenticity. I mean, what are what are the what keeps coming to mind is like that whole fake it till you make it kind of thing. I'd love to get like your expertise and your insight on a marketing perspective from a PR standard or standpoint, how do you feel about this whole fake it till you make it? How do I feel about that? I have lived that mantra before. And, you know, if I'm being honest in the PR and marketing industry, that is sometimes the way to go about it, right? However, as I gotten older, I realized that you know, it's not necessarily fake it till you make it, but it's, uh, how should I say this? If you don't know what you're doing, it's okay. <laughs> because I can guarantee you 100% of the people you're dealing with do not know what they're doing too. And, 
And I think if there's just this underlying understanding among communities and workspaces that if you don't know the answer, it's okay, we'll figure it out. And going back to the word vulnerability, I think that there was a lacking there. And I think I love seeing that there's a shift now in our culture, if you will, uh, to be more vulnerable and to admit mistakes and to be accountable and to continue to grow, learn, progress. And that's really the way to go. So I, the fake it till you make it thing, I, I can see how that works for a, a little while. And it's almost like a block that people say that because there's a block of that they want to not um, have fear seep in. So they're going to say, I'm going to fake it till I make it. You know, but I think you have to embrace the fear, you know, embrace the fear because then you can identify where your faults are, your successes are, what you're good at, what you're not good at. And that's what we want. We want to continue to be improving as human beings, right? How would you know that if you're just going to block the fear and fake it until you actually make it? Because you're never going to make it if you fake your way through it. Those demons and those fears will come back to haunt you. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. That it makes it does make a lot of sense. I can absolutely see that that wall, right? And a lot of us, I mean, that's where imposter syndrome comes in. It's all about reframing, right? Like you're faking it. You're like, uh-huh, I'm not actually what I that's where the inauthenticity comes in, right? You're you are wearing this mask. And I like to think that to an extent, imposter syndrome, actually, imposter syndrome is more of a clue of like, hey, you're doing something new. You're doing something scary. You don't know what you're doing. Awesome. Take that mask off. Like, it's okay. Like you said, it's okay that you don't know what you're doing, but have enough self-trust, have enough confidence to know that you're going to figure it out. There's answers out there. And that's where you like take down the bricks of that wall and you move through it because you're like, I don't don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to figure it out. Right. I don't know the what the answer is. So I'm gonna Google it or I'm gonna ask Chat GPT. I have we have no excuse nowadays. We have no excuse to not know anything. <laughs> Correct. I love that you talked about imposter syndrome because I you've you've known this about me that that is something I have struggled with and sometimes continue to struggle with. What I've learned about that is exactly what you said. However, I also believe that it's a value, a lack of value, I suppose, right? So I value a lot of things in my life. And I realize sometimes that the one thing that I have to trust and value the most is myself. And that's where I began to question even how smart am I? Like how how capable am I to take this project on or this client on? Or how how capable am I to be a mother for, of three children? You know, uh, how capable am I to be a good wife? You know, an attentive wife and also a friend or a sister. Any of the roles that we we have, and it's a constant struggle to uh, hold value within myself and say, no, you not only are valuable to these people, but you have value, right? That you have so many things to share that are valuable. And I've discounted myself before. And I think that that even reflected, that was reflective in even prices that I would give clients. Like I would, I would discount my, my worth there. 
And, you know, as a, as a young entrepreneur and um, someone that was starting out now today, I, no, 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 no. I, <laughs> I really work my butt off and I don't hold that value, I guess, where it should be. And thank God for my village or my people, because they say, no, you are worthy. You help hold value. And I don't want to come off to say that it's because I'm, I'm not a confident person. I think that in my industry, it's it's a little scary because you're coming in and there's a historic line of folks that have just been here for a long, long, long time doing work. I mean, you drop, like it's a name dropping industry, right? And it's a little intimidating. So, and Hawaii is so small, so compact, everybody knows each other. And that's where the intimidation was, was I was coming in brand new and everybody's like, who is that? Who are you? What clients you got? Who do you know in the media? You know, it's like, those are things that are earned and built over time. And I didn't understand that at first. That's why I just took that intimidation and kind of decreased the value in myself, right? So I just wanted to share a little bit. Imposter syndrome, ooh, it's a it's a beast, man. It's a biggie. No, absolutely. And I'm so glad that you shared that I'm because... Real estate is pretty much like that too. We're evolving, but Hawaii, Hawaii is small. Hawaii is small. It is. It's absolutely about who you know. And the real estate industry is even smaller. Yeah. What, what was your GC? What was, how many listings do you have? Or how many sides did you close? And this, this, and that. And fortunately, actually, this is really interesting. Hawaii Business Magazine used to have, oh, I think it was a top 100. Yeah. It was top 100 real estate agents. They did away with that maybe about four years ago or so. Yeah. Four years ago, there was a lot of, what is it? I can't remember what the term was, but it was so many people were like, it's not fair. Right. But it was like, it was the elite. That was the best of the best. The top 100 uh, real estate agents, you know, for the year and whatnot. And if you made the list, then you're it, right? You were the cool kids. And was it always the same people sometimes year after year after year? It wasn't always. Yeah, okay. you're right. It wasn't always. But there was pretty much you would see a lot of them. Yeah, <laughs> like you would see a lot of them. There's a few that would like kind of break into it. And then it was really interesting to like see people like rise and also fall on the list. But it just it turned into something really, really toxic. Right. And I think once they did away with that, then it was really interesting because a lot of people didn't have something to reach for. Right. They're like there was this idea like their identity was tied up in that or the people who man to this day i am still seeing because if you make the list then you get the logo that you can blast out and and put in your signature blocks it's really interesting because i still see some people like having that top 100 logo emblem yeah and it's just like i mean i guess that also kind of speaks to identity let's talk about identity and showing up that way uh, within your business. Is identity something that you speak to, you know, for your clients? 
Is that something that you address? I think yes, because when you're talking about identity for business or with a a brand, the brand identity, that's a term we use a lot. If you're going to tell stories, authentic stories, which we encourage as PR practitioners, then you need to know your brand identity. You need to know the fabric, the foundational values of your your company, why it started, what's the story? There's always a story there, right? And that's what our job is, is to pull that out to be able to market certain products or services or stories to the public so that they can connect heart and mind to your brand identity and, you know, then become a loyal consumer. So that there is that. But I would love to talk to, about identity. And ah, I, when you said showing up as yourself, can I talk about identity even just in, I don't know, adult friendships? And yeah, yeah because this was very recent that this came about. So we, I recently had a, a Friendsgiving with, you know, a few girlfriends of mine who I've known, I would say in the 20 year mark, you know, but not growing up with them or high school friends or anything, but as a young adults, we've met. And anyway, so we were, had a really great conversation at this Friendsgiving and we were talking about how we were just kind of, you know, when, when you're conversating with people and then like realizations start coming up in, inside of you and like, holy crap, like this is how I'm viewed, you know, and not in a, I'm not saying in a bad or a good way. It's just like, wow, that's, we we're talking about perspectives, right? Perspe- perception, perspective, everyone has a different perspective perspective on it, on something that had happened in the past, right? So that's what we we're talking about, about an incident that had happened and what everybody's perspective was on it. So I was talking and hearing and weaving through the conversation and I realized who am I? <laughs> Talk about identity. Like, who am I as a friend? I, I don't even know. I'm going to be frankly honest with you, Pumihana. I do not know these days what kind of friend I am. Mm. And why is that? Because I don't feel like I have that close of friendships right now, right now, at this very moment in time. I've had very close friendships. I have friends, right? But in order to show up and engage as a friend, you need to have sometimes have those types of friendships that are you're actively engaging in all the time. So I wouldn't say I have friends that I actively engage with on a 24-hour basis or even, you know, a 48-hour basis or a 72-hour basis. Like, honestly, my, my friendship engaging is like maybe, you know, every other weekend or, hey. Here's a meme I want to share with you today. Amazing on- memes on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. And where, like, wh- how did I evolve into someone like that? So I know who I am going back to identity. But the one thing I don't know right now, and I have to always reference to right now, because I know that changes, is what kind of friend I am. I don't know what kind of friend I'm showing up as these days. So that's the struggle with the identity. That's the identity I struggle with right now. I want to acknowledge you and honor you for saying that and being so honest and vulnerable about that. I'm getting chills right now because same, man. Same, really? Same. I used to, I used to, I know what that was like. Like, I had that friend. She was nine years younger than me. And 
it was proximity. We were close friends. And if you think about it, like most of our close friendships happen because of proximity. We're in the same office together. We went to school together. We go to classes together, you know, whatever. But then now as adults, as moms, as entrepreneurs and business owners, like we are spread so thin and we are spread out. And for the people who aren't physically, you know, within our proximity, it's hard. It's hard to be close. That's one. Two is also expectations of the role. Expectations or getting that feedback, right? There's this person, this friend has maybe implicitly or explicitly displayed and demonstrated their expectations of us. And we don't have that feedback. Yeah. Especially if we're not talking to each other on the daily or, or sending at also hi, also we're business owners, right? So like what is relevant and necessary and productive? Like that that's the kind of communication that we have. Like, okay, we need to get stuff done. Like I communicate with my husband every day because we need to not necessarily run a type chip, but we're running a ship here, right? So we need to communicate. And it's hard, man. Hard. Oh, God, it's so hard to have adult friendships. It it's is. hard to dissolve adult fr- friendships. It's hard to start up adult friendships. Like, no, you're, you're, you're so right. You're so right. And a couple of things I want to share with your audience is how we met also was through a mutual, mutual friends, right? And can I just say the initial impression that I got from you and that group of friends was like, wow, how come me and my husband don't really have a, a friend group? of all the people that are spouses and then our kids grow up together and play together like all the time. Right. So it was, I will admit a little bit envious and then a little bit like, Oh God, I don't even know if I have the energy to do that. Right. So, but that's the, that's the dynamic and that's the duality of adult friendships is like, it's an aching for connection, but it's a realization of, reality. (laughs) Do I honestly have the time and energy to be an engaging friend? So there's that. And then also when you say, ah, although friendships are hard and, you know, they, you know, the, the dissolving of it and also the discovering of it as an adult, you, you were one of those surprising adult friendships of mine because I'm, I'm 44 years old. We just met in the last, you know, few years or so. And like, I never, there's hardly any women that I've met, you know, in this phase of my life where I was like, felt really connected to. So that was a nice surprise, right? Someone like you, where we have a lot in common. I can dig that. And and you're not the type of friend that's going to be like, that is going to command my energy all the time. Needy, love me. <laughs> Pay attention to me. Yeah, I, I mean, let's be, I, I'm just trying to be real. Like that's not. And so again, I'm trying to understand the identity of Jen, who is the adult friend and, you know, come to grips and terms with that because I have had to dissolve friendships 
that no longer served that friend or myself. And it was a natural evolution of a breakup. And it's sad, but it's life, right? So those are the two points I want to make. You are a nice surprise as a friend in my adulthood. And then also, like, I love your your village and your tribe that I had met, you know, uh, when we first when we first got to know each other. That's that's awesome. I mean, is, is that still going on? And it's pretty active because that takes energy, right? To oh my god, <laughs> oh my god. Let's just let's talk about it. It takes energy. It takes work to answer your question. Yes, it is still going on. Good. However, caveat. You know, when you spend a lot of time with people and and we're together almost every almost every weekend if not every other weekend and we have a routine like kind of a routine of just like you know we go over to one person's house it's very rare that that we go over to anybody else's house every so often we do if it's like a special occasion or whatnot but typically we'll go over to one person's house and it's Uh, Talk about raw and and vulnerable. Like it's hard. It's hard because after seeing a lot and being in close quarters and as much as I value evolving and you talk about learning who Jen is as a friend, same. Kumehana is constantly learning who she is as a friend, as a person, what she values and just being hyper aware of how you're feeling and what you're thinking, just like you, when you said that you were talking, you know, at the friends, friends giving, talking about perspectives and perceptions, you were noticing your thoughts, like an ode to meditation, (laughs) like noticing your thoughts, right? That's exactly what we do. That's exactly what meditation is being mindful and being aware, like, okay, I'm, that's interesting. This person said this, I'm thinking this. This person said that I'm feeling this and then doing that kind of self-reflection and self-discovery, right? You know, it's one of those relationships aside from a marriage or a parental and child relationship that, I mean, it, it's a hard one. I think alongside a marriage, I think friendships are as difficult. I feel like because Travis and I as a married couple have we've already known this about ourselves is that we are individuals who are choosing to build a life together. So what does that mean, right? So you're individuals working on individual goals and progressing in your individual lives, choosing to have a family and be together in a partnership while having those collaborative goals and pathways, right? So, but do we as friends look at that, look at the relationship that way? I think friends need to, I think that's what's what I'm looking for in friendship is to have someone or people that know that, hey, we're not going to be the same 20-year-olds that used to go clubbing. We've evolved from that. And that's okay. And now I love you even now in this, in this time that you, you know, in this space that you're in. And I accept you for who you are. And we're gonna have other friends on the side, you know, but we're gonna continue our path together. And what is the ultimate goal in our friendship? Like what's, you know, because there has to be friendship goals, I believe. Like what are, what are you getting out of me? And what am I getting out of you? What is their value there? So that's my philosophy about friendships now. And that, I think now that saying that out loud, it's going to help me identify m- myself more as what kind of friend I want to show up as 
and what kind of friendships I command in my life. Absolutely. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Is defining what the goal is as a friend, defining why you're you're there together, the value that you bring to each other, and then also just defining, redefining what a friend is. And you get to have different layers of friends. You get to have different spheres, like figuratively, obviously there's the closer one, there's the larger one, and then there's the ones that are just like, I know you, I'm going to be nice to you, but you're you're not my inner sphere and that's okay. That's totally okay. Good one. I know. <laughs> right? Get us coaching each other. I love that. So tell me, how do you deal with life's peaks and valleys, the challenges and the triumphs? I'm going to preface how what I think about that in my present day with how I used to think about it. So folks can see the growth, right? What I used to think about life's peaks and valleys was like, ah, when it was good, I never wanted it to end. There could never be anything better than this. And then when it was bad, it was a lot of like, what did I do wrong? Right. And, you know, if I don't correct what I did, I did wrong, then this is going to happen again. So even though it was some a bad relationship or someone else's fault that made me be down in the dumps, I would constantly think about what I did wrong and how I contributed to that person making me feel shitty. I can say that that's a reflection of how self-aware I was in the beginning, but self-awareness also, I think, comes in many different facets and forms. So fast forward to today, how I think about life's peaks and valleys. And I share this in my career day presentations when I go to high schools and talk about my profession. I always tell the kids it's learning and then mastership, learning and mastership. So life's peaks and valleys or the goods and the bad is not, it's like when it's good, you know, you learn, you're learning still. But when it's bad, you're learning how to make it better. So it's mastering a problem. So life's peaks and valleys is constant learning and growth and then mastering how to solve that problem. So it doesn't necessarily, not that it won't happen again, but how to better respond to it, how to better reflect on it because it shitty things are going to happen in life, but it's a matter of mastering and navigating how to, like you said earlier, move through it, right? Yeah. You can't even move past it. You have to move through it. So that's me. It's it's like learning and mastership. That's how I look at it. And those are two positive words, right? Whereas before my younger self never really looked at life that way. I've always thought it, you know, it was, it is what it is. And however, I will say when life is down, I would, I love to also tell people, you have to feel everything that you're going through. Don't deny the feeling, right? You just have to, you have to feel it all because if you don't know truly how something feels, then you don't know truly how to work through them and master the master the navigation of it. For me, that's the sure sign of growth, I would say, is, is being able to do that. So yeah, when I was 18 years old, just graduating, going to college, that's how I looked at life's goods and bad because I didn't have enough life experience then. 
you know, and that's the joy of growing up. It's learning how to look at a situation and then what my 18-year-old self would have said was this, but, you know, 44-year-old Jen now is saying something so much more mature, so much more an example of some being someone that lived through something, right? So yeah, that's that's how I look at life's peaks and valleys. So that's a good question. I love that question. I resonate with that so hard. And I don't know if that also speaks to, I mean, that has to speak to a little bit of our experiences as children and as a child of, of what is difficulty looks like look like and what does challenge look like because it was like the valleys, the valleys were low and dark and lonely. And we turned inward and we blamed ourselves. Like, what did we do? What did I do wrong? I like how you said, you know, how did I contribute to that? Because we did. And there was that, there is that. We still had some control, which I think it was just, especially as our younger selves, it was skewed, right? Yeah. And it was simply blame. It was either blaming ourselves or blaming the other person and forgetting or just not even knowing how much control we had over the situation. The highs, the peaks were, I think the peaks were so high because we knew what it was like to be in the valleys again, lonely and scared and not knowing what to do other than blaming ourselves. But as we move through life, as we gain those life experiences of, you know, okay, we're going to do the work. We're going to move through this. My coach said this to me yesterday. You're going to get through it because you're willing to go through it. And that's where you said, you got to feel those emotions. Make sure you're in a safe space to to feel the emotions, but feel it to heal it, right? Because if we keep turning a blind eye, we keep shoving it down and not addressing it, then they're going to keep coming. They're going to keep bubbling and bubbling until it bubbles over. But when we can have the self-trust, the confidence, and the feeling of safety to look at these emotions, these feelings, the, yeah, Pumehana, what you did was kind of shitty. Yeah, yeah. When we can be honest with ourselves, you know, we can be honest about the situation and then move through it. And I resonate that with that so, so hard. I'm glad. But let me let me backtrack to what you were saying earlier. Who were we mirroring as kids about blame, right? So I never had accountable adults growing up. That's why I there was always someone to blame for something. It, it was never just... I want to kind of go back to like my childhood. I was raised in a very chaotic, big Filipino family where everybody had a role and we're like ants in the anthill, like making this family work. So there was a lot in Asian families and you know, I mean, there's a lot of like shame and guilt tripping and, you know, you got to do this because it's best for the family or, you, you know, respect your elders. And I mean, all of the, those, all the things, right. That didn't serve me well, to be honest, in this journey that I am now as a parent to children. But what did, where did that shift happen? Well, I realized, and because I've traveled off of the Island and I've went to college on the mainland, I've lived elsewhere. 
I think opening my world to other perspectives and other people and other cultures helped me realize. And then also meeting my now husband, who had a very traditional, conventional family, white family, right? Where they ate dinner together every night. And, you know, like it was like picture perfect. Nuclear family. Where mine was not at all like that. So, you know, marry those two people together. And now you have a mom who is uh, nothing like the mom I had growing up, who was not vulnerable because she had to work and raise her kids and be a good daughter to my grandparents and be a good sibling to her 10 other siblings and just be an aunt in the in the Ohana, a working horse, my mom, still to this day. And I love the way she raised me. However, it's not the way I would have raised or are, am I raising my kids? I've learned with my kids, hey, mom, sorry. My mom hardly ever said sorry to me. And again, I'm not shaming anybody, but like, that's just how, that's just the culture. That's how she is. That's how she was. You know, it took a lot to say sorry. It took a lot to hold the adults in my family accountable or hold themselves accountable. Why? Because they weren't self-aware. They weren't self-aware. They weren't the type of adults that felt the feelings with the kids. The kids were the kids, the adults were the adults, the elders were the elders, and that's just what it is. Whereas I love now the evolution of my family and all the kids that me and Travis get to raise because there is a lot of vulnerability. There's a lot of accountability. There's still roles, but we are a family that is going to help each other through whatever it is we're going through. And every and whatever is not going our way, it's okay. We'll figure it out. You know, blame is not something that is assigned to someone. Blame is something that is meant to feel make someone feel shameful. We want to be accountable, not blamed. Blame shirks responsibility. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I just had to share that. That you know, I don't think I we're not. I'm not mirroring any adult that I had growing up. I had great adults around me, but. Yeah, it's not accountable adults, probably not. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Because I I personally resonate with that a lot too. Conversely, though, I had a single mom growing up and she was also, she was actively trying to break the mold. And she was raising us like very, very differently from the way that she was raised. She grew up in same Filipino, Okinawan, Hawaiian, Chinese family, and Jehovah's Witness as well. So very, very rigid. She was the youngest of six children. And she realized that that family dynamic didn't work for her either. So she raised us very differently. But at the same time, she had her own limitations. She had her own I don't want to call them demons because they weren't demons, but you know, she was dealing with it a lot too. For me personally, high vulnerability, what I am actively going through and healing in therapy right now is being able to hold two conflicting thoughts and emotions at the same time. Where, interesting. Yes, absolutely. She was trying to break the mold. But at the same time, and she was trying her best. She didn't know what she was doing either. But 
or and Umehana didn't get mothered the way that she needed as well. So it's really, really interesting because like I have a different perspective on my mom because now I, I am a mother, right? But right now, like literally right now, I am seeing my mom in a different light because there was a disagreement. There was something that happened, you know, last month. And yes, maybe Pumehana didn't approach it the way that she could have. It was via text. (laughs) But mom still has not approached the situation at all. Like I reached out and was like, hey, can we talk about this? Let's talk about this. Let's resolve it. And it has been radio silence for about four weeks. And even last night, reached out again, silence. And I'm like, I'm conflicted because on one hand, I'm like, wait, no, but mom was doing her best. She she did her best. And like, I feel like she knows these things about conflict and facing conflict head on and like conflict resolution or even just wanting to be there for her daughter or have a conversation, albeit a difficult conversation. She's not even willing to come to the table. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> like, and kind of running my mind through those filters and through that lens of like, it's, it's all the things. It's like expectations. Oh, wait, but a mother is supposed to be doing this, right? A mother and daughter relationship is supposed to be like this, or this is the kind of mother-daughter relationship that I want to have. And it, it it's the expectations that you have attached to these roles. Going back to what we were talking about, friendships, right? Spoken or unspoken. And it really is difficult. This is something that I had to do with my dad, was separating the role from the person, separating the expectation, the, the role and the label, and the expectation that we have of that role and label. And then just as painful and almost sterile as it seems to have to look at someone as intimate as your father and your mother and say, oh, wait, this is just a man who is scared. And so he did this. What's interesting and difficult with my mom is like, okay, this is just, it's really, really hard for me to have that separation. Of course, because like single mom, right? She was a single mom. She was all I had really. And I can't even say, like, I can't even say what she's trying to do because she, there's like, there's nothing. So looking at that and looking how this informs how our relationships, especially the relationships that we had as children, how it informs how we show up today in all the different aspects. For example, even this morning, I started spiraling a little bit in my mind and I could see how I was a lot more short and snippy at my older daughter or both of my daughters actually. And even in my mind, this all happened so quickly, right? Like split seconds. And I'm just like, whoa, hold on, Pumehana. You know, and they have no idea. They're like, oh, mommy's just, mommy's just angry again. Was it something that I did? What did I do? And 
it's so interesting. And sometimes it's a little painful to see. For me specifically, you're doing a great job. For me specifically, it's like, oh my God. Like as much as I'm trying to save them from the traumas that I have, that I experienced, like Pumehana, you're traumatizing them in a whole different way. So <laughs> we need to have another episode talking about this because we do. Uh, yeah, we do. There's just so much to to unpack there. And I'm I have a long laundry list of things on my mind that I want to say that resonate. But then again, I also um, want you to look at maybe something in a different way and maybe like, you know, just share. Yeah, let's reframe. Let's re let's recreate the story and reframe. We're coming to a close here. But last thing I do want to touch upon. Hi, Miss Bodybuilder Jen. <laughs> Talk to me about this goal that you set, because when you first when you first told me about it, you're like, this is something that I wanted to do. Um, like a couple of years ago and fine. And I'm, I'm doing it. So lay it on me. Yeah. So, you know, on top of all the things your audience must know, I'm a bodybuilder now. (laughs) (laughs) Novice, but still brand spanking new. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. The goal, the bodybuilding goal, bodybuilding is a sport. As everybody knows, it's not for the faint of heart. I've always been someone that went to the gym, worked out, or was active in some fashion or form, always as an adult. The goal, right? So you think about bodybuilding, that is a pretty hefty goal, right? You think about something like sacrificing food, sacrificing like your life to be able to mold your body into an an aesthetic that judges need to judge on stage in front of total strangers. Oh, well, you know, that's a perfect goal for Jen because I like stuff like that. (laughs) It's a, it's a me versus me, you versus you type of sport, which I gravitate towards. And that was a goal that I had, I would say in 2018, I had joined, I had like two gym memberships. I was all in, I was, I lost like 20 pounds, was like trying to find a, a bodybuilding trainer at the time, but I did all the 20 pounds on my own and was like super excited. And then lo and behold, I got pregnant. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, wow. I thought we were too- I'll put a damper on things. <laughs> and God was like, no, oh, you know, you forget bodybuilding, have another child. This, this, absolutely. You know, so let's put that 20 pounds yeah, back on. Put it back on, you know, and then some. <laughs> So, you know, that was uh, almost four years ago now. My son's almost four and I'm 44. So I was like, okay, can't do it. But what what, what am I reaching for? I still want to accomplish this goal. I didn't do it before I turned 45, which is next February. And, you know, like I told people, I had the time, the means, the energy to do it. So I, from January of this year, I found the trainer, lost a bunch of weight again and was all in. And this past September entered my first bodybuilding show locally here in Hawaii. And I did decently well, I thought, you know, and I, now I'm in a space of like, wow, I can do that. My body can do that. My mind can do that. Awesome. Like what, what, what? hold on. I'm just like, hold on. I want to pause you there. You did decently well. Yeah. What <laughs> titles specifically did you win? My love. <laughs> Tell me. I know you're just a crab. You go, she, because everybody asks you, oh, how'd you do? Oh, I did good. It was fun. He's like, she's being like, I don't know what she like, won a category, you know? 
Absolutely. That's why. So I, so I entered the, um, the novice categories of bikini and wellness. And the difference there is basically bikini is like, you know, you're toned all around, you're pretty skinny. Uh, wellness is like a bikini physique, except you have a lot more toned uh, muscle tone in your legs and your butt. And I got first in master's wellness, which is master's is 35 and over, you know, it's the old lady category. So um, <laughs> that's great. And then the novice categories of wellness and um, bikini, I got second place in wellness and fourth in bikini. And that was like a pretty lot of girls in that one. But yeah, it was fun. It was, and I met so many cool people and, you know, now we're all social media friends and, you know, um, but you know, I, I want to share that that that's where the goal came from because I liked a you ver- versus you type of sport. The most challenging thing about it was, uh, I think it was just um, having my normal crazy life and then doing a bodybuilding show. Oh, how that was really not fun. And in some moments, you know, but kudos to my kids and my husband for being my biggest cheerleaders. And I think if anybody looking into bodybuilding as a goal, you need a support system, a really solid support system, someone that's going to people that are going to push you, but also understand, you know, the the 2 a.m. wake up calls to work out at 3 a.m. at the gym and, you know, you know, and, you know, eat rabbit food. <laughs> but, you know, moving through those challenges was it was hard, but it was one of those moments, one of those goals and one of those moments where it was like life altering. Right now spilling over into my career, into my marriage, into my my parenting, into my relationships as a friend, as a daughter, as a sister. That particular goal allowed me to really, really be vulnerable and recognize, you know what? Health is wealth, man. And it made me recognize that, you know, if I don't take care of myself, I cannot take care of all these other people. You know, so I'm going to be selfish about wanting to take care of myself physically and mentally so that I can better serve the people around me. And, you know, I don't want to dictate other people's choices on what they want to eat or how they work out or whatever. But I, I want to be an example, hopefully, for especially for busy career moms that that you can do something that hefty in a goal and, and, and make it happen. So it's been life altering, to say the least. And yeah, that, you know, so what's next? I don't know. I, I want to do something else now. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes, absolutely. I'm so glad. Thank you so much for touching upon that. Cause that was something that I really, I really, really wanted the audience to hear about how, yes, all of the things like being a mom, an entrepreneur. And on top of that, like you didn't just do hard, like something hard, like this was ridiculous. Like you proverbially like got dragged through the dirt, right? You dragged yourself through the dirt and you came out on top. A couple of things that I want to speak to. One of them is that Joe Rogan talks about this all the time of like putting yourself in really hard and difficult situations. Doing this on your own accord is so important because you control this. You control the heart. You're like, I brought this upon myself. Now, when life happens and you like you get blindsided by something hard, you can tell yourself that inner narrative changes of like, yes, this is hard, but I can do hard things. Like I pushed myself and I pushed myself here and therefore I can push myself here too. 
So that's one. Number two is that you actually posted something on your Instagram stories. It was just a repost of, I think, from another account. And I don't know if I shared with you like how much that blew me away, but it basically said, you are replaceable at work. Oh, yeah. You are replaceable at work. Like you die and a week later, your role will be filled again. You're not replaceable at home. You are irreplaceable. Like your kids will not ever, ever find another mom that is you, that is exactly like you, that can do what you do. Love them the way that you would love them. Your husband can go out and get remarried, but it's not going to be you. You are irreplaceable at home. So that really hit home uh, for me because it reorganized priorities, right? No, hold on. Mommy has to send this text to a client. What does that tell them? Like, oh, mommy's client, mommy's customers, mommy's income is more important than me. And it's just like, no, that's not, that's not what I mean. That's not what I mean. I know. So thank you. Thank you so much for your heart. I'm glad that resonated with you. You know, and I'm not, I'm not perfect when I'm at home. I'm I'm not perfect at home. But what's different about and the only other mom I can contrast myself to, right, is my own mother. And that's shame her, but just to show again generational differences, but also, you know, moving past, right, how I was raised and the mother I was modeled after to the mother I want to be. I'm not perfect at home. But why did I do a bodybuilding? competition. I told you it was a goal, but honestly, I did it for my kids. I wanted them to see mom at her lowest of lows when she had to drag ass to the gym and starve herself and not eat the cupcakes with them and and sacrifice a lot of time and a lot, just a lot. And I want them to see that I put myself through the ringer to achieve something that not, you know, that that, that 1% of the population achieves. And all the athletic athleticism, all the mental strength that goes into bodybuilding, I want them to see that. I wanted them to see that. I wanted to be naked with it, with them seeing it. And I wanted to be able to communicate the journey with them along the way. And I accomplished that. And the lessons I could teach them as a mom in in those, you know, nine months that I did that, that journey, that bodybuilding journey, those lessons are like compounded there. Like I, I couldn't have taught, I couldn't have taught them that better in those nine months, just them witnessing what I was going through. To me, that I did that for my kids because when my mom was growing, when we were growing up, and she was working her butt off, to be doing double shifts at work, you know, having a husband that was <laughs> absent basically, and you know, living in a household with her own parents and taking care of them. Like she hid a lot of those challenges and those feelings and those hardships from us because, you know, that's not something kids should be exposed to. That's not something that you, you have to worry about. Just worry about your kid and listening and, and contributing to the household, right? No, I want my children to see their parents as humans, first of all, that have goals that are still parenting, but, you know, we're learning alongside y'all. They like this. We're learning all together. We're not, I'm not superior to you. I mean, I am when I need you to do something, but <laughs> I mean, right? Like we're a, we're an ecosystem. So there's that. Thank you so much. Jen, my love, we could, we could talk for hours, hours. And 
we'll do this again. We will absolutely do this again. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for sharing your heart. And I look forward to doing this again. You guys will, we will put all of the links, all of the things everywhere that you could find Jen and engage with her. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Pumi. Love you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If this episode served you, please do me a small favor and head to your favorite podcast platform to rate and review the show. Your small act will play an exponential role in getting these powerful conversations out into the world. Be sure to connect with me on Instagram at at Palmer and DM me with your insight and takeaways. See you next time. Aloha.